Hello. In this uh, edition of uh, MSU Today, we welcome Mike Brand, the uh, longtime director of the Wharton Center for the Performing Arts. And a uh, very exciting time as the Wharton Center uh, just announced its upcoming 2021 season. Uh, I've got the brochure here in front of me, Mike, and it looks really spectacular. What are the, uh, what are the shows that you're most excited about? Well, I think, you know, there's a lot of a lot of the performers here are um, people that we've been looking at now for a couple of years. Um, and so we're pretty excited about all the events. We we have been trimmed down a little bit due to a number of big arts organizations and two Broadway shows just not going to go out in the 21 fiscal year. They're going to wait for 21-22. So we lost a couple. Uh, Broadway shows, and we lost two European orchestras that just refused to travel to the United States in next season. But we did move all of those to the following season. So so we'll still be able to um, enjoy their great music and, and theatrical uh, productions um, in a season down the road. But as the uh, COVID-19 started looking like it's going to take a lot longer to... Um, control and and even to get the vaccine to help uh, it spread we decided to move our entire fall into the winter and the spring so we spent about two weeks not only canceling april may and june and some of the shows we did move as as you know uh dear evan hansen moved to summer of 21 it'll be here right after frozen um we just took all the fall shows and moved them into winter and spring, giving us a little longer to prepare our facilities for a safe experience. And now we're just waiting for the industry to say it's okay for all the actors and musicians to be doing productions. Um, and, and that's going to be an iffy thing along with what President Stanley is going to decide and Governor Whitmer and the CDC. So, there's an awful lot of moving parts, even though we announced the season, but we're getting a great response bill where we uh, subscriptions are coming in and our donations. People really want to make sure the Wharton Center is here after the COVID-19 experience has ended. So we feel pretty good about the community support. Well, it's, uh, it's interesting you say that, Mike, because I think when, when we look at, uh, at, at season ticket sales uh, for football that have been underway for a few months now, uh, we're sensing the same kind of support that um, people want to support the university. Uh, they're they're excited to get back. I mean, obviously, everybody wants to be safe, and we want them to be safe and 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 healthy. But but people are enthusiastic about getting back on campus, and uh, whether it's athletics or the performing arts, I think people are very excited. So, one of the things that we're thinking about as we think about. Uh, uh, a return to uh, to campus and and the possibility of playing football in the fall are you know, things like uh, you know making sure that we've got uh, appropriate physical distancing in place, uh, uh, trying to switch out uh, restroom fixtures to to be touchless, uh, you know, perhaps uh, some touchless ticketing options and scanning and things like that. Uh, it's, it sounds as though, uh, as I understand it, you're doing many of the same things at Wharton Center. Yes, you're right, Bill. What we are looking at is being as touchless as possible and extra sanitary. So we'll have cleaning crews on every performance, constantly going in and out of 
restrooms and, and the uh, lobby areas, cleaning, sanitizing. And, um, but yes, you're right, touchless ticketing, touchless faucets. It's, uh, we're going to have a lot of sanitizing dispensers. Um, the, one, the one issue for our industry, which may be a little different than college or professional athletics, is we really can't do with less seating on our big shows. It, our industry doesn't work. Um, I know college and professional athletics have the power of television, ESPN and Fox Sports and other uh, big networks that can help with uh, providing revenue to keep these uh, games going. Uh, the entertainment and the fine and the performing arts industry does not have that type of uh, outlet. So we're looking at some other assets that we have on campus, and hopefully we'll be able to uh, deal with all these new opportunities. Um, but it is one thing that gets a, a lot of concern on my staff and our whole industry is that our industry does not work with uh, spatial seating. Um, it barely works when we sell all the tickets, as you know. And big concerts like, like uh, you know, all, all the big things that happen at Ford Field. And, and they have to sell 40-some thousand tickets, period. Yeah, no, I hadn't thought of that aspect of it, but you're absolutely right. The television revenue uh, helps us a lot, and uh, and and it really isn't. Uh, it really is tickets. It's behinds in the seats that uh, that work in your model, and and there's really no way around that. So uh, so that gives you, I think, an extra layer of uh, of challenge. But uh, but I also know that uh, with our great medical team and your team at Wharton, we'll. Uh, We'll find ways to 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 work through that and uh, and and hold events with uh, with with safety in mind. Um, one of the uh, one of the things that I've always found fascinating about Wharton Center, and and you and I have had some brief discussions about this in the past, is that the uh, the, the seasons as they're set up, and I guess this maybe is intuitive. I just hadn't thought of it, but. But as you set up a season and you you prepare for a season, you're really doing that sometimes several years in advance and uh, and planning for what's going to be uh, uh, out uh, touring the country and and different uh, putting the different acts together. Could you talk a little bit about how that works and and how you have to do it so far in advance and how you uh, how you make sure that the brochure has such a diverse set of offerings that that really appeal to to, to all different kinds of uh, of tastes. Well, you're right. It, it's it's a couple of years out. We're actually in 23, 24, looking at big uh, big events. Um, so the way um, I found out that works the absolute best is I'm in New York every month, and now now I'm not in New York every month. So this is the first time in my 30 some years in executive management, I haven't been in New York every month, but, but you normally have to look at a lot of the shows. I'm a Tony voter. So I get to look at all the big Broadway shows. And then while I'm there, I go to, I go to uh, Birdland and, and all kinds of other jazz clubs, jazz at Lincoln center, Carnegie hall, Lincoln center and Lincoln center jazz. I mean, all the different places where you go to find up and coming artists or, or very seasoned artists that have been out for a long time. And you uh, have to just look at spotting and calling managers and agents and getting on the route. So 21-22 season was pretty much locked in for us. Now with all the people, all the artists and organizations, arts organizations and big Broadway shows that 
moved out of our 21 fiscal year into 22. We have a glut of shows that I have to sort through, and we're going to have to move some of that stuff that was in 22 into 23. And then in 23, 24, we started looking at real big shows like Moulin Rouge. We kind of keep looking at uh, Prince of Egypt just opened as COVID-19 came about in London and it had huge reviews and all of a sudden it shut down. So we looked at Jagged Little Pill. We looked at Girl from the North Country. There's a lot of shows that we have uh, our, our name on and getting on the routes. It's about routing because this whole thing is about where you are in the geography of the tour. So I always get myself right between Chicago and Cleveland if I can. Um, so you have to work real hard. And then you just look in at a lot of the later opportunities. A lot of our young jazz artists, you see six months before the brochure deadline, you just say, this, we got to have this artist because it fits our profile and we want to attract the audience that this artist uh, draws. So it's um, a lot of its long-term deals. We're looking at a, at a multiple year with a Pittsburgh Ballet Theater and another a company in Western United States to bring full story ballets here, full big productions. Um, so we're way out in advance with theaters in Chicago, Minneapolis, and the Detroit Opera House Dance Series. So there's a lot of multiple you know, conversations constantly going on, but most of the big ones are the big symphonies, the big dance companies, and Broadway theater. That's what we call the macro booking plan. And we have to lay that over the College of Music time at the Wharton Center and the Department of Theater time. So everything fits in perfectly. And then we can take the younger up-and-coming artists and fill them in spots where we have room to put them. And normally, agents, um, because we're so far out there, they'll take our booking first and, and create a Midwest route after the date we give them. So in, in some cases, I don't have to battle some of the younger artists because we're first. And then um, they decide to go to Ann Arbor, Chicago, Detroit, go to Grand Rapids, they go to Milwaukee, Madison, you know, they'll, they'll route it around where Wharton Center has the date. So that's how the puzzle goes. It's kind of like when you're out, you have your scouts out looking at players, you're looking at high school kids, probably when they're freshmen and following them through four years and watching how they develop. We, we do the same as your scouts do when we're out looking for artists. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's always been uh, fascinating to me, and and I I learned this in my, uh, you know, largely in my prior role working uh, with the board and the president, but uh, every now and again we'd see uh, statistics about uh, you know, live theater and live theater across the United States and uh, and and on college campuses, and I I can't cite chapter and verse sitting here at the moment, but it was always amazing to me how Wharton Center had uh, uh, some of the largest crowds, the largest per percentage of seats filled uh, across, really across the country. And, uh, and I think that, you know, sometimes um, it's so easy to take for granted uh, the, the gems and jewels that are right in your own backyard. But, uh, uh, but, but certainly we need to pinch ourselves that we're so blessed to have Wharton Center and the, the many activities that, uh, that, that take place there. Um, Mike, many of, of uh, your shows, uh, there's the Broadway series and, and other subscription series that people can, can purchase, and, and many, many do. Um, if, if, uh, 
if somebody buys a subscription and, and a show is canceled or or there's a uh, you know uh, an outbreak in our community and people don't feel comfortable going, uh, I assume there are provisions in place to uh, to address how they could uh, uh, deal with that. Yeah, our marketing and and development office have already uh, dealt with subscribers that don't feel good. Some of our subscribers said, you know, we uh, want to make sure the Wharton Center's there when this is over. So we're going to contribute our donation, but we uh, are not going to be buying tickets this year. And we keep them in the same spot where they have been for many years. So that's one of the opportunities. If you buy tickets to a show and they cancel, you either can contribute the money or move it in the next season, or we can refund it on all, depending on what kind of a situation we have. Um, we'd like people to let us know a few days before the show. So and we're looking at other options, which we don't want to announce um, to hopefully bring some of this into your home too. But um, uh, so we're trying to look at maybe a new way of, of, of marketing and enjoying the performing arts. I, I don't know if athletics is looking at all these different options. You already are in people's homes and on in their TVs and their boats because you see uh, college sports all over the marinas all throughout Michigan all fall. But um, but but I think our industry is going to have to start looking up and becoming more out of the theater experience too. But um, we are looking at the customers, our customers, our patrons, our donors, uh, the households that kept us going for almost 40 years now and trying to recreate all the uh, rules and regulations that were accumulated over these years and kind of breaking them down into a comfort zone that people will stick with us. And if they don't feel like it's a safe environment, then we will uh, move their money to another place or uh, refund it. So Mike, as a, uh, one of the things I'm very proud of is uh, my, my service as a member of the board of directors of the MSU Federal Credit Union. And, and I, I'm proud of that service because I think the credit union is one of the organizations in our community that really uh, leads by example in giving back and, uh, and, and puts literally millions of dollars back into the community each year. And one of the, uh, one of the, the credit union's uh, more significant projects and one that I think is really interesting, but that uh, our listeners may not be as familiar with, is the uh, uh, the, the programming we do for for young people. I mean, the, the Broadway series is sponsored by the credit union. Obviously, that gets gets a lot of uh, a lot of fanfare. Uh, but but there's a lot of uh, not quite maybe behind the scenes, but uh, uh, but programming that occurs for uh, middle middle school students, high school students that introduce them to the performing arts and that encourage participation in the arts. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, yeah, the, uh, the Wharton Center's Institute for Arts and Creativity had its beginning from a, a substantial grant from the MSU Federal Credit Union. So thanks again for that, uh, Bill. Uh, the, the, um, we're all over the state, and now we have kids coming to Michigan State University for our Sutton Foster High School Musical Awards for the Summer Boot Camp, for the Shakespeare Festival, the Stratford uh, Shakespeare Immersion Project, uh, Young Playwrights Festival. And uh, it took our institute, I think, three, four weeks to be entirely virtual. 
So we have programs constantly uh, that are streaming. They're in our social media, and they are included on our website, including our whole summer two-week Broadway, what we call our Broadway Boot Camp, Take It From the Top Summer Program, all virtual. So we're looking at some substantial stars are going to be doing uh, work in mentoring our young uh, middle school and high school kids, students this summer. So we are ne probably never going to leave the virtual programming again. That'll always be there. And when we can do things in person, it'll grow. It'll grow back to where it was. But we've been at capacity for students from all over the state for the last five years. Well, and Mike, that's one of the things that uh, I think people don't appreciate about the uh, the gift that you are to our community with your uh, longstanding uh, time in this role and your experience in, in New York City and around the, the country in the performing arts, you've developed some really great relationships with people like Sutton Foster and Laura Bell Bundy and others that, uh, that then uh, I think through some uh, very gentle arm twisting, you, uh, you get to come back uh, either in person or virtually to participate in our programming. And that, uh, you know, that really gives young people the, uh, you know, sort of hearing it from the horse's mouth, if you will, uh, seeing some of the, the best and brightest talent on, on Broadway and, and television uh, that take a little bit of, of time out of their schedules to, to mentor our young people here in East Lansing is pretty spectacular. It is. And you know, Bill, these artists from LA and New York City really love working here. They, they love our community. They love the kids here. They love being on the campus of Michigan State University, and uh, it's just going to continue and grow. So thanks for your for your comments. I We do appreciate it. And the other thing about our institute is, uh, along with all these people from New York City and, and Los Angeles, we have our faculty that join them, about five or six of our faculty from the College of Arts and Letters Department of Theater that are major players in all these uh, programs, the Sutton Foster Awards, uh, take it from the top. And so our faculty get to see the best kids from all over Michigan come here during elementary, uh, middle, and um, high school. And there have been quite a few of them that have been recruited to come to college here. So, so, so Mike, I will uh, end our, our time today with a little bit of a curveball question. Uh, but... Uh, as you think back on your your time at Wharton Center and all the uh, all all the the people that have crossed over the stage, and and I'm always fascinated to be in the green room and see the pictures of so many people uh, that from from all kinds of the performing arts that have crossed our stage here in East Lansing. Uh, can you think of one or two or three? that were your most favorite over the years? I, I, I think two people stand out simply because they really love talking with young people and, and ask if they could do that. Um, one was Laura Bell Bundy, of course. She, she called me. I was at a bar in Puerto Rico, actually, at a conference, and she was coming here to do a concert and said, uh, do you mind if I stay for an extra couple of days? I like to do some teaching. It won't cost anything. I just like doing this. And that was very impressionable for me. And the other one is actually Isaac Perlman, uh, the artist you mentioned. Um, he did a recital, I think, about four years ago. And the rules were there's nobody to see him after he's tired and he's going to go back to the hotel. And he was sitting backstage and I stuck my head in and I just said, Mr. Perlman, there's like 
20 some college string players who would like to say hi do you mind if we go quickly and bring him back. He said, no, no, bring him back, bring him back. And then, you know, what he did for every one of them, he took selfie photos for another half hour with them, each one. And he talked to him and he actually listened to him. You know, and I thought, this is an incredible guy who had a huge, ugly travel experience and t- sat there for another hour at least um, and, and uh, did all this stuff with these young college kids. It was really impressive. I thought, this is a great artist. Yeah, that's a, a very special, uh, special person. And uh, but 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 as I, I discover, that's that's really uh, you know so much of uh, the the nature and culture of the of Wharton Center and and of the folks that that pass through our doors. So, uh, Mike, I can't thank you enough for joining us today, uh, helping uh, our listeners learn a little bit more about the behind the scenes of the Wharton Center. The the excitement of the upcoming season and uh, and plans for the future. So we will uh, thank you very much and look forward to talking again soon. Okay, thanks, Bill. Have a good week. You too. Take care.